Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Judges chapter 13. The book of Judges chapter 13. We continue our study through the Old Testament. Now, for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the life of Samson. Now, he was a judge of Israel, which is beautiful, but he had some issues particularly in the area of lust and other things too. And, you know, for the next several weeks in these studies, we're going to see the ups and downs. And just as we see it with Israel, we see it in individuals as well. Now, we also see this today in the church, the ups and downs of the church and the ups and downs in the church with individual believers and When we look at this account of Samson, a lot of people place emphasis on Samson, on Samson's hair, on Delilah. I don't do that. I place emphasis on the parents, on mama and papa, and their lives as sacrifice unto the Lord in honoring him and glorifying him And, you know, when we, for the next several weeks, as we look at the ups and the downs and the events that happen, never, ever, 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 ever forget chapter 13. Don't forget Judges 13. When you consider the life of Samson, the ups and the downs, the sad moments, the joyous moments, never, ever, ever forget mama and papa. And that's what we're going to look at today. And here we are in Judges chapter 13, verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. I hate saying it, but it's more of the same. I don't like saying it. It just, it hurts it. I don't like the way that comes off my tongue. I don't like that. But that's exactly what we see. It's more of the same when the Lord becomes forgotten. And the evil done, it's in the sight of the Lord. He's still there. He sees but the people do not acknowledge him. And it reminds me a whole lot of today where he's still here, he sees, but who is it that acknowledges him? And so here in verse one, the children of Israel, they did evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. You see, yes, the Lord promises very, very beautiful things. Yes, he promises very good things. But remember, there are effectuators for promise. Obedience. Remember, obedience. And some might say, well, that's works-based salvation. That sounds a whole lot like works-based salvation. But let us not forget that there are some people who will hear the dreadful words, depart from me, I never knew you. You see, how does this happen? How is it that a believer in Jesus can hear, hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you? How? Oh, that's works-based. You're talking works-based salvation. No, no, no. Remember, the formula isn't once saved, always saved. The biblical formula is once saved, stay saved. And so when we understand that, and then we also understand obedience, which is better than the fat of rams. Now, if you're a new listener, welcome. But listen to our study through Hebrews and the book of James, and you'll understand more. And yes, we do have these beautiful promises in the word of God. But remember, obedience, beautiful, beautiful obedience is required. 
And so here in Judges 13, the oppressors of Israel, the Philistines. And in verse 2, now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And so look what happens here in verse 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman. Now, sometimes you read angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, and it's an angel of the Lord. But there are also times where it's a theophany, where it's Jesus in the Old Testament. And here in Judges 13, it's Jesus. This is theophany. And this angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her in verse 3, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children. But you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. Now, a lot of people see this with carnal eyes. When, you know, verse four and five, and they think the Lord is providing guidance for the pregnancy, you know, not to drink, no alcohol because she's going to be pregnant. And, but if you've been walking with us for a while, do you remember our studies in numbers? Do you remember the, the vow of the Nazarite from our studies in numbers? And, you know, during the days of consecration in the vow of the Nazarite, consecration unto the Lord. No alcohol. No alcohol. And offerings unto the Lord being made, but no alcohol. And so here with Manoah's barren wife, this angel of the Lord, he's telling her about her son before the pregnancy. Before conception, even because the Lord says you're going to conceive before conception. And in these blueprints being given to the wife of Manoah and saying, your son, he's going to be the Naz- he's going to be a Nazarite. Uh, the son, he's going to be consecrated unto the Lord. And the angel of the Lord goes to mama as covering. You see, giving her these blueprints, very important, very special, holy blueprints. You see, no alcohol. Don't eat anything unclean because what is going to grow inside you in your room, he's for the Lord. I want to say something to all the moms who are listening. I have a question for you. Is your child... Is your child for the world? Is your child for you? Or is your child for the Lord? You see? And it's very, you know, it's kind of a hardcore question because it's like, well, you know, what's this guy getting at? You know, like, I have my child. I love my child. I have my daughter. I have my son. I have my other daughter. I have my other son, however many kids you have. And it's like, well, you know, what's this guy getting at? But let us have a perspective that is holy. Is your child for you? Is your child for the world? Or... 
is your child for the Lord. And in the case of Samson, before he's even born, before he's conceived, there's a plan for his life. And the Lord is giving instructions to Mama for the fulfillment to that end. And moms listening, I love you. But we need to have holy perspectives. Yes, the, you know, in life, there's the broad sense, you know, holy perspectives in life. But let's boil it down even further. Let's have holy perspectives under your own roof. Because if you're a mama and you have like, you know, kids or maybe one kid or, you know, a whole bunch of kids. They're for the Lord. He wants them back. Sometimes parents get mad at me, but, you know, when it comes to parenting, when you read the Bible and it, you, it comes to parenting, he wants them back. And I kind of see parents as like, you know, glorified babysitters, you know, and forgive me for saying it like that. But, you know, I call it like I see it, you know, proof is in the pudding when you read the Bible and you see how the when especially when Jesus tells parents and warns them about the millstone. And I don't say this to terrify parents. And I don't say this to terrify mothers and moms and dads out there. But understand, when it comes to children, the Lord wants them back. Especially when you consider, remember our study in Hebrews? About the seed, men have regard for your seed. Remember our study in Hebrews? If you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to those studies. It's very important for all of us to have this holy perspective. And so all of a sudden you see how the Lord is giving these instructions, these blueprints to the wife of Manoah. I wish I knew her name. I wish her name was known. It's not known. In one sense, I'm glad it's not known and not for carnal reasons. I'm glad it's not known known because it makes me wonder. You know, it makes me wonder like even more. Like I wonder about her and I can't wait to meet her. I so can't wait to meet Samson's mom. I so can't wait to meet the wife of Manoah. Manoah too, but you know, the wife, I want to meet her. And it's so beautiful how this angel of the Lord is appearing to her and giving her these blueprints. She's barren. Remember, she's barren. She can't have kids. She can't have kids. And the Lord is giving her these blueprints for her son before he's born, before he's conceived. Don't drink no alcohol. This isn't just for, you know, for the nine months so that, you know, your, your kid, the, the kid is going to be safe in the womb. No, the purpose behind it is because he's consecrated. It's the, the vow of the Nazarite in the covering of the womb, you see. And we see here in verse five, the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, from the womb. Not like when he's five years old and then, you know, take the Nazarite vow. Not when he's 10 years old or not 13, you know, not 20. And then he'll do the Nazarite. No, from the womb. From the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. You see? Now the law has been given concerning the Nazarites and consecration unto the Lord. And it's not like, you know, you wait for the kid to grow, wait for this child to grow and, you know, uh, become an adult and, you know, and then he can do the vow and take the Nazarite vow. No, the Lord 
is giving these blueprints to mama and saying, mama, it starts with you. You see? And for all the moms listening, I love you. But have a holy perspective. Let us all have a holy perspective on raising a child, teaching him, teaching her the ways of righteousness. Look what happens here in verse 6. <clears throat> in verse 6. So the woman came and told her husband. Now, there's, understand, we're in the book of Judges. And there is a priesthood. There are Levites. There are Kohanim. And they have a very specific task. But the Lord didn't go to them. It's very interesting how in the book of Judges, the priesthood is virtually absent. Israel is doing evil in the sight of the Lord, and yet his eyes see a beautiful woman who can't have babies. She's barren. Remember Amos? Just like Amos. Where Amos, you know, he says, I'm no prophet nor the son of a prophet. And the Lord says, hey, Amos, surprise, you're my guy. Because the Lord sees the heart. You see? And as Israel does evil in the sight of the Lord, you know, he sees it all. But he also sees this beautiful, beautiful woman. She can't have babies. And the Lord goes to her. And tells her about a son before he's born, before he's conceived. And so she comes and tells Manoah, her husband, saying in verse 6, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now picture... Picture the wife saying this to her husband, you know, like they can't have kids. They can't have kids. And picture that excitement of the wife coming to Manoah and, and saying this, you know, he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Picture that excitement in that tent. Manoah, Manoah. A man of God came to me and he was like an angel of God. Very awesome. I don't know where he was from. He didn't tell me his name. And he says, I'm going to conceive and bear a son. How exciting. Exciting doesn't even do it justice. The word exciting doesn't even do it justice. How like exciting times infinity. And she's giving this report to her husband. And in verse 7, giving this report, this angel says to her, Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. And here we are in verse 8. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord. And look at Manoah. Look at his wife. Look how they're equally yoked. Manoah and his wife equally yoked. First, she tells her husband. Then she's giving him the report of what happened. And Manoah, you know, 
he's not wondering, you know, like, you know, what's a Nazarite? You know, like my wife says Nazarite and he's not thinking like, what in the world is a Nazarite? No, he already knows. Look how they're equally yoked. And then his wife gives the report and he doesn't think she's crazy. He doesn't dismiss it. Immediately, you know what happens? He's on board. Immediately, he's on board. He doesn't say like, oh, you know, that was just, you know, you, you had you ate something that, that didn't disagree. It disagreed with you. It didn't agree with you too well. So, you know, let's just ignore it. Or you're too sensitive. Hey, wife, you're too sensitive. Let's just ignore that. No, immediately, he's on board. She comes and tells him, hey, husband, look at all, look what just happened. Let me tell you this. What, let me tell you what just happened. You know, and they can't have kids. Remember, no kids. And the angel of the Lord told them about their son. Told them, told them that he's going to be consecrated. And the consecration, it's not when he's 10, it's not when he's 20, it's not when he's 5, it's not when he's 3. No, it starts right now. You see? Manoah doesn't dismiss his wife. Oh, you're crazy. That's great. You're too sensitive. You're crazy. You know, no, he's on board and he's praying to the Lord. In verse eight, Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. You see, not only is Manoah on board, but what we see here is so beautiful is that he's seeking the Lord for guidance. You know, since they will have a son and the son will be a Nazarite and he will be consecrated unto the Lord. Now, I don't want to be graphic or anything, but remember, Samson, he's not yet conceived here. He's not yet conceived. Not to be graphic, but he's not conceived. But yet look at the faith of these two beautiful souls, Manoah and his wife. Look at their faith. Presently barren, at this particular juncture, presently barren, and yet leaning on the words of this particular man of God, on this particular angel of the Lord. You see, and Manoah in his prayer, he's asking for guidance for the son that is not yet conceived. Can you see how beautiful this is? Can you see how beautiful this is? Number one, Keep in mind, Israel has forgotten the Lord. They're doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Israel is doing evil in the sight of the Lord. He sees. And the Philistines are now the oppressors of Israel. But meanwhile, something else is happening. Manoah and his wife, they have not forgotten the Lord. They're honoring him. You see? And they can't have kids. And yet the Lord is telling them about their son. And not just that. The faith that they have to be on board and not just be on board, but to be on board and run with it. Now, if you're a parent, I love you. I love you. I love you. If you're a dad, I love you. If you're a mom, I love you. But anyone can be a dad. That's easy. Anyone can be a mom. That's easy. And I don't want to be graphic, but, you know, this goes here and nine months later, you have a baby. That's easy. Anyone can do that. But 
Not just anyone can be a father. And not just anyone can be a mother. Far fewer can. But it goes even further. We get even more minuscule. Not anyone can be a godly father. And not anyone can be a godly mother. Far fewer can. Turn really quick to the book of Job. Really quick. The book of Job. Job chapter 1. The book of Job chapter 1. And in Job chapter 1, verse 1, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. Now, keep in mind, his name is Job. His name isn't Korah. His name isn't Alexander. His name isn't Himenaeus. This guy is different. His name is Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. Verse 2, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Verse 4, and his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was, in verse 5, when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send or depart. That's how it translates in the Hebrew. Job would send or depart and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be. Notice. This is Job, not like the average bear. And Job says, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Not literally, not like physically, not like the, you know, in their hearts, he says. It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did regularly. You see what Job did? Rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of his kids. Job didn't know whether his kids were in sin or not, but he still sanctified. He still sacrificed with burnt offerings unto the Lord. You see, parents, all the mamas, all the papas, I love you. Anyone can be a dad. Anyone can be a mom. Fewer can be a father. Fewer can be a mother. And even far, far fewer can be a godly father and a godly mother. And parents, 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 I love you. I love you. I love you. Be a godly covering of righteousness for your children. Unto the Lord. Because ultimately, remember, ultimately, they're his kids. They're his children. And I love when we see passages like this of godly parents. 
You know, sometimes I wish that I could get a humongous warehouse and put every single Christian in the warehouse. And, you know, sometimes I wish I can speak to just the pastors, elders, you know, ministry leaders, you know, and then sometimes just the men, sometimes just the women, sometimes the married couples, sometimes teenagers, sometimes teenage boys, sometimes teenage girls, sometimes little kids, you know, like five-year-olds, six-year-olds, sometimes just the little kids, sometimes college kids, sometimes just every... Every facet of society where we are at, where the Lord has us at this time, sometimes I wish I could just speak to different groups of people. In this particular study, in the book of Judges, chapter 13, I wish I could speak to every single parent. But as the Lord has it, no warehouse, but I pray I have your ears. So that together we can understand. Parents, be a godly covering. Unto your children. Unto the Lord. But unto your children. Because your kids, the Lord wants them back. You see? Let's go back to Judges chapter 13. And in Judges 13. So Manoah's wife received the blueprints. Manoah prays and asks for guidance. And here we are in, you know, in, in verse eight, when Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Oh my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what shall we do for the child who will be born? And God listened to the voice of Manoah in verse nine. God listened to the voice of Manoah. Now, remember. God became forgotten in Israel. That happens in you know a bunch of different ways. You know, sometimes parents don't train their kids. Sometimes uh, uh, people get involved with idolatry, the other gods, the asterisks, the molechs, the, the Baals, and that's what we've seen happen in the book of Judges so far. And we see more of the same where the Lord becomes forgotten. But not with Manoah and not with his wife. They remember the Lord. And the Lord is giving them blueprints on raising a child that hasn't even been born, hasn't even been conceived. And to top it off, she's presently barren, you see. And the blueprints, they started with the wife. The instruction given, the blueprints given, started with the wife. And Manoah prays and God hears him. Verse 9, God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But, her, but, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. You see? Manoah, her husband, was not with her. You know, there, there's a huge problem in the church today. You know what that is? Pride. Male pride. Machismo. Big problem in the church today. Machismo. Men, if that is you, where you're macho, pride, repent. Repent. I love you. But you got to repent. We got to get you cleaned up. You got to repent. Why? Because God resists the proud. He resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. Very important to understand because in these last days, a lot of blind men have blind guides for pastors. And these pastors teach very wrongly about male leadership. 
very wrongly about male leadership. Now, leadership is absolutely male, but what kind of male? You see, you look at Alexander and Paul, both of them were male leaders. One was wrong. You look at both Korah and Moses, male leaders. One was wrong. And a lot of husbands today, not just today, it's been happening for quite some time, but a lot of husbands get into heaps of trouble, heaps and heaps and heaps of trouble, a whole lot of trouble. Why? Because they ignore their wives. It happens. Husbands, if your wife is crazy, that's one thing, you know, it's just a vapor. <laughs> Don't forget, it's just a vapor. But if your wife is crazy, you know, you know, that's, that's, that's something different. But if your wife is godly, don't heed her, but also don't ignore her. Listen to her and take it to the Lord. You see, we heed the Lord. And a lot of husbands get into trouble because they heed their wives. Don't do that. Don't do that. But if your wife is, guys, you know, because, you know, sometimes wives are crazy. You know, wives get into crazy town and then the husband heeds the wife. Or sometimes the wife is righteous, walking with the Lord, and then she becomes crazy. And in walking with the Lord, the husband's been heeding the wife. And instead of heeding the Lord, he heeds the wife. And then the wife turns crazy. And then in heeding the wife, because he's been accustomed to that, then he becomes crazy. And everything just turns into a big mess. It, it was already a mess when, you know, when there, were, when there was a crazy town to begin with. But don't forget, there's, there's a formula for crazy town too. Carnality, the flesh. But husbands, if your wife is righteous... Number one, rejoice and praise be to the Lord. And don't heed her. We heed the Lord, but also you cannot ignore her. You have to listen to her. You see? And then she says whatever she says. You know, she might say, the Lord put, you know, husband, the Lord put this on my heart. You say, okay. Don't say, you know, you're crazy, you know, you're too sensitive. Oh, you know, you're stupid, you know. Why would the Lord want that? No. Say, okay. And then you take it to the Lord. And we heed the Lord. Remember Abraham? A whole lot of problems were created when Abraham heeded his wife. And, you know, and a whole lot of problems that we're still paying for today. You know, just, let's just be clear. You know, we're still paying for these problems today. And, you know, the Lord Jesus, when he comes back, he's going to settle everything. One member, if you've been walking with us for a while on our studies in Genesis, one big family dispute and it will be settled. But Abraham, a whole lot of mess was created when Abraham heeded his wife. And, you know, the Lord spoke to him and says, listen, Abraham, because you heeded your wife, because you heeded your wife. But then several chapters later, the Lord tells Abraham, hey, Abraham, heed your wife. What happened? The Lord says, don't heed your wife. And then he says, heed your wife. What happened? Did the Lord change his mind? Nope. That's not what happened. You know what happened? Sarah, she changed her heart. You see, the first time, wrong formula. 
and Abraham heeded the wrong formula. The second time, Sarah had the right formula. And Abraham, he still went to the Lord. And the Lord said, listen to her. You see, heed her. You see, he didn't heed her off the bat. You know, it wasn't Sarah that just said, hey, husband, you know. He, I mean, he did that the first time. And, you know, here we are paying for, you know, what he did. But, which will be settled when the Lord returns. I don't want to gloss over that. I mean, in this generation, it's impossible. I mean, for even past generations, it was impossible to, to, to gloss over that. But at the same time, when the formula's right in Sarah, Abraham still goes to the Lord. And the Lord says, hey, Abraham, it's okay to listen to your wife now. You see, husbands, always go to the Lord. Never heed your wife. Never, ever, ever heed your wife. But when you go to the Lord, the Lord might tell you, hey, your wife, she's, she's, she's with me. She's with me. Listen to what she says. I told her that. You see? But a problem happens. You know, the formula's right in the wife. And, you know, all of a sudden, husbands, they don't listen. They don't listen. And instead, what do we see? We see a whole lot of pastors, they teach about male headship in a manner that is carnal. And it serves the flesh. And you can see it in the countenance of the wife where the, the wife is less wife and more slave. Less wife and more maid. Less wife and more cook. Less wife and more concubine. And we see spousal abuse, even rape. Because, oh, the pastor says, you know, the wife must submit and leadership is male, which is absolutely a biblical truth. But formula it has to be right it has to be right and that's what we see in the church today heavy male dominance according to the flesh you see according to the flesh male dominance it's a big problem in the church today Prevalent in certain sects that lean Calvinist and Reformed. Highly evident, very prevalent. But we look at Manoah. He prays to the Lord. And the Lord responds, not to him. The Lord responds to his wife. Very interesting. You say, wait, wait a second. Why is this the case? Why is this the case? And I'd respond with a question of my own. Are the two not one? Are the two not one? Very interesting what we see happen here. Very interesting. Manoah's wife came and told her, remember, they can't have kids. And she came and told her husband everything that the angel of the Lord told her. And so he, when she's done saying what she says, he doesn't dismiss her and say, oh, you're crazy. 
you're too sensitive, you're crazy, that was just, you, you know, you had bad lunch and it wasn't agreeing with you and, oh, you know, you're just, you know, let's just forget about it. Oh, or I'm the male, I'm the male leader. And if, if the Lord wants something in our home, he'll come to me because I'm the male leader and leadership is male. And come on, that's, that's carnal, that's pride. And you don't see that with Manoah. His wife says what she says in the report that she's giving. Hey, husband, look what happened. This happened to me. The angel of the Lord. Came. And he's listening. And notice they both know scripture. They both know scripture. They both know Torah. I mean, Manoah's wife, when the angel was speaking, was like, hmm, what, what does Nazarite mean? No, she knew. She's giving the report to her husband. He's not wondering, what is Nazarite? No, he knew. So you see the equal yoking? She says what she says. He doesn't dismiss her. He doesn't dismiss her and say, well, you know, if the Lord really wanted that wife, then he'd come to me because, you know, I'm head over you. No, 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 no. The two are one. The two are one flesh. You see? Manoah prays to the Lord. And, you know, tell us, teach us in verse 8. Teach us what we shall do for the child who will, be, who will be born. Remember, they don't have kids. His wife is barren. She can't have kids. And yet both of them, wanting to know more about these blueprints. And God heard his prayer. And he came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field in verse 9 but Manoah her husband was not with her in verse 10 then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him look the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me so Manoah arose and followed his wife now remember Israel they're in a present state right now where they are oppressed by the Philistines and they're in that situation because the Lord has become forgotten. Israel again sinned in the eyes of the Lord. But Manoah and his wife, they have not. They honor the Lord. They remember the Lord. I wonder how many people, neighbors of Manoah and his wife, townspeople, I wonder how many people in their fallen state with their Molex and Asterisks and Bales, I wonder how many people in their fallen state would have observed Manoah following his wife and thought, look at Manoah, he's so stupid. Look, he follows his wife. Because verse 11 says, Manoah arose and followed his wife. I wonder how many people thought he was so stupid for doing that. Number one, he follows the Lord. Number two, who's seeing the Lord? And these are things that we have to understand because apostasy, it's not coming. It's already here. The mockers, they're not coming. They're already here. And don't think for a moment that the apostate will not also mock. But we have to remember, who is it that is following the Lord? The Lord of the Bible. 
the real Jesus whose word is above his name. Not the fake Jesus that says, hey, let's go lay on the grave sites and soak up the, the Holy Spirit that's in the grave. No, that's another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. You see? Not the fake Jesus that says, go ahead and take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. No, that's another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit. What spirit would want Christians to take the mark of the beast? I'll give you the answer. Not the Holy Spirit. A wicked spirit, yes, but not the Holy Spirit. You see? We have to discern. Oh, Manoah, he's so stupid. Look at him over there. He's following his wife. Oh, his wife wears the pants. They didn't have pants in those days, but, you know. Oh, look, he's following his wife. He's so stupid. You see? Who's defiled before the Lord? And who is clean before the Lord? In verse 11, Manoah arose and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said in verse 12, Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded, let her, let, uh, 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 all that I commanded her, let her observe. You see, Manoah, he's not heeding his wife. He's not heeding his wife. But he's not ignoring her. You see, he's not ignoring her. He never made fun of her. He never mocked her. He never belittled her. He never laughed at her like, oh, you know, that's so dumb. That's so stupid. No, he never. He's, he, he hasn't dealt treacherous, treacherously with her. And look who he's talking to. And look who's talking back to him. You see, he's talking to the Lord. And the Lord is talking back to him. You see? Remember our study in the book of James about prayer? When, you know, hey, Brother James, I pray and nothing happens. I pray to get and I receive nothing. What's the matter, James? What pastor do you know will say, hey, God's not the problem, you're the problem? What pastor do you know would say that? What teacher do you know would say that? Very few. Very few. And that, that's what Brother James says. And he doesn't say, hey, you're the problem. He says, you adulteress, adulterers and adulteresses, exclamation point. He points to the apostate. He says, that's the apostate heart. That's the apostate way of thinking. Because when you ask, you ask amiss. Because of your carnal, your carnal passions, your carnal desires, you ask and you ask amiss. 
You see, and when the formula is right in your heart, when your formula is when the formula is right in your mind, you're not going to be asking for things. You're not going to be praying and asking for things that are going to fulfill carnal lusts and carnal desires and carnal passions, the things of the flesh. You're not going to ask for those things. And Brother James says, when you ask, you ask amiss. You see? What about the Lord speaking to the prophets? When he says, you know, the Lord says, you know, thus said the Lord, you know, don't don't come to me with your offerings. Why? Because you deal that because of I the Lord has been witness of how you deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. You see? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. That's what the Bible says. What does that say to husbands? Men, I love you. But what does that say to husbands? Having regard for iniquity in your heart and the Lord says, I will not hear you. I don't want the Lord to not hear my prayers. I don't want the Lord to not hear your prayers. I want the Lord to hear all of our prayers. But if we regard iniquity in our heart, if you deal treacherously with the wife of your youth, when Brother James says, you ask, but you get nothing because you ask amiss. Remember our study in the book of James? And you see this in Manoah. The good example. Old Testament. Book of Judges. The Lord has become forgotten in Israel, but not in the tent of Manoah. Not in the home of Manoah. Not in the heart of Manoah, nor his wife. And the Lord went to the wife first. Don't forget. Manoah didn't heed his wife. But you don't see him ignoring her. You don't see him belittling her. He's not teasing her. Mocking her. Think how beautiful she felt just in the home. Just in the home, just, you know, any time of day, just at home, like at peace. Why? Because she knows her husband is a godly man. He knows that he has a godly wife. She can speak and know that he's not going to make fun of her. He can speak and know that she's not going to make fun of him. They know the scripture. You see this equal yoking in this beautiful tent of Manoah? He's not prideful. Well, you know, hey, wife, you know, if uh, if the Lord really wanted something for us, hey, wife, you know, step aside. He'd come to me because I'm the head. No, you don't see that. That's pride. And the Lord resists the proud. Immediately when, when, when his wife came and gave the report of, I saw this angel of the Lord and he told me this, he told me this, he told me this, and look, we can't have kids and he's talking about our kids and... Immediately, he's on board. He's not making fun of her. He prays to the Lord, and now the Lord is responding to him. You see? He's not asking amiss. The formula is right. 
And then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord in verse 15, Please let us detain you. Now, this is like, let us keep you for a while. This isn't like, you know, like detaining, detaining. This is let us detain you. Like, you know, let us keep you for a while. Just, they, they don't know about this angel of the Lord. They have their ideas. They have, you know, they, they have faith that what this angel has told them is going to come to pass. But they don't know like specific details. And so, you know, please let us detain you and we will prepare a young goat for you. That takes time. It's not like, you know, immediate, you know, to prepare a young goat, that's going to take time. And they're saying, hey, you know, let us, let us, let us keep you for a while because while you're waiting, we're going to go prepare this young goat. And we want to do that for you to, to honor you. And what you have told us will come to pass. And we have faith that it will come to pass. Who, who is it that they're speaking to? Yes, they're speaking to the angel of the Lord, but what do they know about this angel of the Lord? Well, they don't know much. Right now in verse 15, they don't know much. And so Manoah makes this request, you know, let, let us keep you for a while. And we're going to go prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering... You must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Now notice what Manoah didn't know. What Manoah did not know, his wife was already keen to. Remember verse 6 where the wife says, He is a man of God. He is like an angel of God. So his wife was already keen to, there's something about this, this person, a man of God, he's like an angel of God. And Manoah, he didn't yet know. But his wife had certain sensitivities. You see? And sometimes a wife's sensitivities are shunned by husbands. Men, I love you. But don't do that. If you do that, repent. We got to get you cleaned up. Repent. Too many times, husbands shut down their wives. Oh, you're too sensitive. You're too sensitive. Hey, toughen up. Toughen up. No, don't do that. Again, you know, if your wife is crazy, that's one thing. But if she is not crazy and the formula is right, she probably has sensitivities that you simply don't have and will say yet. Just like Deborah was jumper cables to Barack. A wife can be jumper cables to her husband. Remember our study when we covered beautiful, beautiful Deborah? If you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to the very beginning, Judges chapter 1, and then get yourself caught up. Well, if you go to Judges 1, might as well do Joshua. Go back to Joshua. And if you do Joshua, might as well, you know, do Torah. Listen to all those studies. You'll understand more. Moving on to perfection. But a lot of men do that. They look down upon the sensitivities of their wives. Don't do that. 
And if she is righteous, if you're if you're listening, you're male, you're married, you have a wife, and she's the formula is right in her. No, she she has sensitivities that you just don't have yet. You see? In verse 16, we see Manoah, he didn't know he was the angel of the Lord, but his wife, she was already on to what was happening. And very interesting, because of these sensitivities, it's very interesting to see, remember, because of when the formula is right and frequency, remember frequency, it's very interesting who the Lord went to first. In verse 17, then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? That when your words come to pass, we may honor you, you see? Now, look at the faith of these two, Manoah and his wife. Look at their faith. They don't have a son. But the Lord is giving them blueprints for the son that she will give birth to in the future. You see? And the angel of the Lord said to him, verse 18, Why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. Very interesting. Does that sound familiar? Wonderful. In verse 19, so Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. Look what happens here. He, he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. Verse 20, it happened. As the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. Notice, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. Whoa, can you see this? Remember, Israel, the people, the neighbors, the town, Israel, you know, different tribes, they'd forgotten the Lord. And notice who sees him. Notice who sees the Lord. Manoah and his wife. When the Lord became forgotten, who didn't forget him? Just like Moses and Joshua, when Israel became defiled, who wasn't defiled? You see? Just like Corinth. When Corinth became defiled, who wasn't? You see? It's the same thing, nothing new under the sun. Remnant. Remnant. Do you remember our study in the book of Deuteronomy? Old man Moses giving his farewell dissertation, his farewell discourse. And we see all the assembly of Israel, which is beautiful. But shortly thereafter, we start to see little breakups within tribes. You get the judges, you see the breakups of the tribes. And then it gets so bad to where the Lord becomes forgotten. You see? The Lord became forgotten, but not with Deborah. The Lord became forgotten, but not with Ehud. 
Not with Jephthah. You see? Not with Yael. Remember the tent pig? The Lord became forgotten. Not with Manoah. Not with his wife. And who is it that the Lord is speaking to? Who is it that prays to the Lord and the Lord responds? Intimacy, you see? Intimacy. Intimacy with the Lord. Oneness with the Lord. Remember, Old Testament, New Testament. The Lord is long-suffering. The Lord is long-suffering. He desires intimacy with you. But there's something that creates a chasm with that intimacy. You know what it is? It's us. It's the flesh. It's the flesh. The carnal nature. The old man. The old woman. You see? And that's why you and me, we reckon the old man dead. The old nature dead. I don't care what your past was. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, I don't care. That's the old guy. That's the old lady. When you're a Christian, you're a new creation in Christ. But it's not just a blanket statement. A lot of times people say, oh, look, I'm crucified with Christ. Come on, let's go do our crack. Hey, that's not crucifixion. Oh, look, the Bible says I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. So let's go do the sex. Let's go do the drugs. Let's go do the rock and roll. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not crucifixion. That's the old man. That's the old woman. And you know what? He's still alive. She's still alive. And we, we have to carry our cross. Never forget the cross is our instrument of death. The cross the cross that Jesus carried, that's the cross that he died on. Don't forget. We don't carry our cross and go to Barbados. We don't carry our cross and, you know, get in our Lamborghinis. The cross is an instrument of death. You see? And also don't forget that our Lord himself had help carrying his cross. And that's the body of Christ. We help one another. I help you carry your cross. You help me carry my cross. That's fellowship. That's koinonia. And remember formula too. Because you're not going to get that in Laodicea. You're not going to get help carrying your cross in Laodicea. You'll get it in Philadelphia. You'll get it in Smyrna. You'll absolutely get it in Philadelphia and Smyrna. You see? but you're not going to get it in Laodicea. We have to understand formula. You see? Old Testament, New Testament. When you understand formula, you see like, wow, look at, look at Paul. He's, he's right frequency. He's into right frequency. He has ears to hear right frequency. Moses, Right frequency, he can hear. Joshua, right frequency. Caleb, right frequency. Manoah, right frequency. Deborah, right frequency. Manoah's wife, right frequency. Formula.
And the Lord, the angel of the Lord ascended in verse 20 in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. You see, worship unto the Lord. Husband and wife, worship unto the Lord, equally yoked. You see this? You see this? First, Manoah's wife, the angel of the Lord tells her about the Nazarite and she knows. She doesn't have to wonder, hmm, I wonder what that is. No, she knows. She tells her husband, he knows. He doesn't make fun of her. He doesn't say, oh, you're so stupid. You're too sensitive. Oh, you're you're just, that, that's nothing. You know, you're just seeing things. Oh, oh the, the spirit of the Lord doesn't work like that anymore. That was for 2,000 years ago. No, he's on board. And he doesn't heed her. Very interesting, very important. Men, husbands, very important. Don't heed your wife. We heed the Lord. But don't ignore your wife. If she's crazy, she's crazy. It's just a vapor. But if she is righteous, you go to the Lord. I mean, if she's crazy, go to the Lord. But if she's righteous, go to the Lord. Because the Lord might tell you, hey, listen to your wife. Because I'm the one who told her this for you. You see? Just like Manoah. Manoah prays to the Lord and the Lord responded, but he didn't respond to Manoah. He responded to his wife. Manoah followed his wife, but he never heeded her. And now the two, they see the angel of the Lord ascending in the flame of the altar and they fall to their faces and they worship. But at the same time, Manoah, he's learning, hey, I got a godly wife. I have a godly wife. He's not submitting to her. You see? He's submitting to the Lord, but he knows I have a godly wife. You don't see machismo in him or like, you know, hey, wife, you know, hey, I'm the head wife. And if God wants that for my home, that, you know, I permit you here, then he'll come to me. And while you're at it, you know, go make me some dinner. No. You don't see that. You see that among the carnal. You see that among the fleshly. You see that among the dead. But among the living, you see humility. You see? Look at verse 21. When the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. You see, remember verse 16, he didn't know. He didn't know. In, in, in verse 6, the wife had a hunch. She had a hunch. Where, where uh, you know, she's giving the account in, in verse 6, a man of God came to me and his, his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. She had a hunch. She didn't know completely. But she had certain sensitivities where she knew there's something's happening here. And now they both know beyond the shadow of a doubt. Why? Because the Lord revealed himself to them. When Israel had forgotten the Lord, where was the Lord? 
with Manoah and his wife. You see? Manoah didn't shun his wife. Hey, wife, I'm not going to listen to you. You're stupid. Hey, wife, I'm not going to listen to you. Oh, that you're just crazy. You're too sensitive, wife. I'm not going to listen to you. Oh, because I, I listen to this pastor who speaks about, you know, that the leadership is always male and headship is male and the wife must submit. So, hey, wife, go make me dinner. Go clean my house. Submit to me. And you know what? And if I'll just sit here and I'll wait. And if the Lord wants that, then he'll speak to me. You don't see that with Manoah. You see humility. Humility. And not heeding his wife. But also not ignoring her. Listening to what she has to say. And then takes what she says and goes to the Lord. You see? And the Lord confirms remember the lord responded to the prayers of uh, of manoah but he goes to the wife right frequency the wife is the right frequency and not that manoah isn't the right frequency he just needs some fine tuning you see it's so beautiful and we see here they knew, Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord in verse 21. Now in verse 22, and Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. Whoa. We shall surely die. See, they know, they know Torah. We shall surely die because we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would, have, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things as, as these at this time. You see, look how they know the word of God. At that time, what was known, Torah, they knew. Look what they know. This man of God, this angel of God who ascended, he was the Lord. And knowing the word, Manoah knew we're dead. We're dead because we saw the Lord. But his wife also knew that there were other factors. There were other truths to factor in. You see, the two complement each other one's not above not below not in front not in back side by side equally yoked you see in closing verse 24 so the woman bore a son and called his name samson samson and she's once barren. Once barren, can't have kids. And now she has her son. And his consecration, it's already in motion. She has her son, but the consecration, it's already in motion. It started, his consecration, it began before he was even born. And the child grew. 
And the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahenat Dan, between Zorah and Eshtaol. Now, parents, 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 I love you. Do you remember the vow of Jephthah several weeks ago? In our study in Judges, and several weeks ago, we looked at the vow of Jephthah. And now we mention the two transactions. In a baby dedication, there are two tra- two dedications, two transactions in a baby dedication. Remember when we made that reference in our study with, with Jephthah and the vow that he made? The child unto God is one. That's one transaction. But the parents unto God is the other. And just like we see in the life of Job, a covering for his children and to parents, moms, dads, be a covering of righteousness to your kids. Because your covering is only temporary. The next covering, it will be Jesus when they commit their life to Jesus. And that covering is eternal. As we continue in these studies for the next several weeks, Lord willing, we're going to see the ups and the downs in the life of Samson. And we will see it. It, It's heartbreaking. It's a roller coaster. We're going to see it in the life of Samson. And there's moments of joy, but there's moments of just total sadness. Heartbreaking sadness and sorrow. And never, ever, ever, ever forget Judges chapter 13. Because I'll tell you something, what I often wonder. When we get into chapter 14 and 15 and we see the ups and downs of Samson, what I wonder is this. How much of God's moving in Samson is because of mama and papa at home, old, and on their faces before the Lord for their son. That's what I wonder. We're going to see the heights of the heights. We're going to see the lows of the lows in the life of Samson. But never forget Judges 13. And beautiful, beautiful mama and papa. And if you're a parent and your kids are little, praise be to the Lord. Train them up in the ways they should go. But if you're a parent, you're an old person, and you have adult kids, or maybe you're like, you know, old, like super old, and you got like grandkids, or maybe great grandkids, never stop praying. For your kids, grandkids, and, you know, great-grandkids, never stop praying. On your face before the Lord. You might not be able to be on your face anymore. You might have to, like, sit in, like, a rocking chair. But just close your eyes and pray for them. Wherever they are, you pray for them. Cover them. Be a covering. You see? How beautiful is it to see this chapter? It blows me away so much because I'm so in love with this couple. 
Manoah and his wife. And I can't wait to meet the wife. I want to know, like, what is her name? You know, I want to know, like, when, when we meet her, I want, to, I, want, I want to talk with her. But it's so beautiful to see this. Keep in mind, the Lord, he's become forgotten in Israel. God's people worshiping the Baals, the Asterisks, the Moleks. God's people worshiping these other gods. And God's people are being oppressed by the Philistines. But yet, who is it that the Lord reveals himself to? You see, the ones who remember. The ones who honor. The ones who give him honor and glory and praise and worship. We're going to end our study here. Lord willing, pick up our study next week in chapter 14 to the beautiful, beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.